Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by Catanzari Financial Services. We are all back from San Diego. Notre Dame defeats Navy 44-22 to in a stadium that we all hope we don't ever have to go into again. Uh, ru- ru- hard to believe that there's a Mine's Super a little Bowl. Different. Mine's huh? a little different. What's that? My computer didn't work for the game. Oh, yeah. that too. That too. <laughs> O'Malley fought through, com- he fought through an injury to his yeah, computer. But Notre Dame played a really, you know, real quality first half on both sides of the football. I thought, you know, having having rewatched the game, yeah, Navy made some adjustments, and Brian Kelly talked about the defense that they chose to use, which may not have been the best choice. But I thought there were some players who just kind of let down in the second half, just with their effort and their performance, probably because it was twenty-seven nothing. But Notre Dame did exactly what they had to do. They maximized their possessions. They they when when the defense really really mattered when the game was on the line in the first half. They were fantastic. Yeah, the twenty-seven nothing. I think is the sole or main reason for Notre Dame having yes. a letdown in the third quarter, and that's that's fine. It was just it was a strange game to watch live and then see how people were reacting to it online, whether it be Twitter or you know message boards for you guys, because like people were just kind of losing their crap about like as if Navy was going to come back and win. And there was, like, never a moment in that game where you're, no. you're, you're sitting there watching it thinking, like, well, Navy has a shot to, like, do the unthinkable. Here. I mean, they challenged. They came within Great. two scores. Yeah. But that's but they, you, they weren't Navy threatened. keeps playing hard. Breaking yeah. news. I mean, right. You should have expected, as a Notre Dame fan, that Navy was putting two touchdowns up in the first 15, 16 minutes of that second half. I think the third one is what probably got people a little like, how are they going to have 22 points now? Yeah. One of those situations. But then Notre Dame, I mean, Notre Dame had, it was probably one extra touchdown than you would want to allow when you have a 27-point lead. And look, 44-14 or 44-16, I guess, does look a lot better, right? If you're just <laughs> doing that nowadays. Well, it, it No, it does. It matters a little I, bit. No, right it, now. It, it, I mean, it, it, it probably does. won't because 12-0, 44-16 just looks it, great. It would be 44-14. That was a, they, they got, got the two after that. Yeah, 44-14 looks a lot which better. Which was a bad decision. Right? 44, it would look right. great yeah. since I said yeah. they were going to win 42-10. <laughs> nice, that's true. Yeah. Uh, it, it won't matter if they're 12-0 anyway. It's just, I can see people being mad at the third touchdown. Um, but, Tim, you made a good point after the game. You said we probably should have lent more credence to not Clark Lee's plan, where we had faith in him, that Kenny Matalolo might have a little bit more of a halftime adjustment than Clark Lee yeah. possibly could. I mean, Ivan, right? Ivan Jasper's been running that offense yeah. for a long, long time. And, they, you know, they, they had some answers. I mean, they sealed off the safeties, which were which were absolutely punishing them in the first half. Alohi Gilman came out hammering his old friends at the, the Naval Academy. But so they made a little bit of adjustment. But... You know, I thought. You know, we'll, we'll we have a question on Troy Pride in the second uh, in the second segment. I mean, I don't, we don't have the answer there. I mean, I, I we thought have guesses, he. But. Yeah, I mean, I thought he looked like he was gimpy in the pregame. I thought we made that clear and, and put that message out there. Maybe not well enough, but um, he didn't play a good game, obviously. And I thought a couple guys let down in the second half. But um, you know, Ian Book continues to be 
Ian Book, you have a, a, a new configuration with the offensive line. I thought most of those guys up front played pretty well, especially Aaron Banks. We'll get into that again more into that in the second segment. But I don't think that there's I don't think there's anything to be disappointed about. I, I you know I saw one comment about this is not a playoff team. What happened Saturday night has nothing to do with no, no. whether Nordame is a playoff team and nothing that happened. That's why I should put it. Nordame is a playoff caliber team and nothing that happened Saturday should dissuade anybody from thinking that. I thought I, Pete, your question to Brian Kelly post game was a really good one about is this a one off for you? And I, I think he, if he gave it to you in private, it'd be like more. Yeah, it probably is a one off. However, mm-hmm. you can look at these things. These elements. I don't think anything that presented. Brian Kelly's answer was no. You can always find something that that shows where we're trending. Sure. Um, I don't think anything that presented in this game makes me think. I don't think we could go back to like Wake Forest last year. Like, Whoa, what they get all those points for? I mean, this Navy was going to get some points, and Notre Dame could have scored fifty-one if they wanted to. Like right. this, this wasn't a game where I take it as a one-off. In other words, the the reason it's not a one-off is Notre Dame plays poorly after Navy every year. That's. I mean, that's that, a fair point. Um, I well, mean, I. I to me, I guess just looking at this game as this game, I would lump it in with Wake Forest, Stanford, and Virginia Tech. Of this year? Of this okay, year. Okay. I would not put it even remotely close to Pittsburgh. So, to me, yeah. Saturday night was much more the rule than the exception. And I think that's that's all really Notre Dame needs to do the rest of the way is, one, win games and look pretty good to do it because they have the benefit of the doubt now. They have four games with Ian Book where they played really, really well. And they had one game where they really struggled. So if they have in their final three, if they go four and zero, and if they go four and zero, they're in regardless. But I think even if they go three and one, but the three are really good performances, like the Virginia Tech, Stanford, um, in the first half against Navy, then I think they've got a really good shot. I don't think they can get in at three and one, but that's not that's a splitting hairs thing right now because we don't know who else is going to have. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. 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 So who would they have to lose to in order for them to make it at eleven and one? Well, I mean, they could lose to Northwestern or Syracuse. I, I mean, there's if you just look at sort of who has who left. If Alabama runs the table, they're going to wipe out the rest of the SEC entirely. Yeah, I did a whole story on. And then if Oklahoma, the SEC's out if Alabama runs the table. You need Oklahoma to lose one time. And, Opal, and uh, West Virginia, by the way, yes. oh, no. we're trying to figure out who. I don't even include them in a conversation. You should, you should see the remaining schedule. It's they, absurd. they could lose well, any yeah. game. Every, all the, they literally yeah. now have to start playing against te- every single team they play can beat them, which yeah. is not, nobody else has that. Pac 12 is out. The Big 12 would play itself out if Oklahoma loses. SEC will play itself out because Alabama will play the if rest Alabama of the conference out. Clemson yeah. is in. And then basically you got the winner of Michigan and Ohio State making it. At that point, Notre Dame would have a very good shot at 11-1. Yeah, they would have trouble. I guess my point would be, not to get down this rabbit hole, they'd have, I, I think the committee would take 11-1 or 12-1 Oklahoma over, over Notre Dame. Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, yeah, expect, yeah because Notre Dame's loss would be in November. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think you know that that carries a little bit more weight, don't you think? But at twelve and zero, I did see some people worried about twelve and zero. That's not possible. They I mean, Alabama no, lost in November possible. last year. Didn't, didn't really yeah, see well, that. Don't you can't. You can, I mean, that's apples and oranges. I will say the losses in November, the doomsday scenario for any team. Not, I mean, I meant not undefeated Notre Dame, but for a lot of these contenders, is Alabama losing once? 
because they're in, and then the yeah, NFC champions yeah, in. Right? No doubt. Here we yeah. here we are yeah. again, getting way way ahead of ourselves. But uh, I mean, it's 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 pertinent each week now at this point, especially tomorrow when the when the uh, playoff committee's rankings come out for the first time. I would expect. I mean, Notre Dame will be third. I, I, yeah. Maybe some people are speculating LSU ahead of them. I don't. LSU. Can I don't be, think that they, will, the committee can make LSU twenty seventh right now, and it all is going to matter one week if they beat Alabama. Yeah, if they don't, right. so, I right. believe. I, I mean, there's something interesting. I don't have the the stat right in front of me, but uh, Ralph Russo from the AP tweeted out that basically, like the top four of the first rankings has never matched the no, top four of the college football playoff. Game and, like, day some, had something like that. And sometimes it's only been two. So it's like if, Al, if if Notre Dame was ranked fifth tomorrow night, I don't think that would really blow me away. You know, number three has never made it. Isn't that weird? Yeah, <laughs> but they, but they shouldn't be fifth. No, but I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm absolutely. Yeah, just absolutely. Talking about, it, like Notre Dame shouldn't lose to Northwestern. Yeah. You've got. I mean, when right. when November comes around, you you start getting rivalry games in in conference play, and and the reason they're rivalry games is that, that those teams are usually good every year. This is something. Mm-hmm. We'll, I'll do this every week while Notre Dame's in it. But there's twelve guys. There's twelve teams left. Like in a weird, weird world, if all these teams beat Tim, it'd be weird just talking about lose games. That's when. You say the Pac-12's out, they are, unless all these teams lose games and Washington State goes all the way through to wins the Pac-12 title because then there's so many two-loss teams you can get in. And Kentucky, of course, is the other funny one. It's, mm-hmm. Kentucky wins out. They're easily in without yeah. without blinking an eye. Um, yeah, of these 12 games, of these 12 teams, I mean, four have to lose. And that doesn't include championship games, which means two more have to lose. Right. That It easily plays itself <laughs> out um, with Clemson really uh, having some... Problems losing, I would say. At Boston College is Clemson's toughest test by far. Then they host Duke. I know South Carolina's a rivalry, but it's at Clemson. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't. No, then they have a Monday film study being more difficult than Louisville. <laughs> so that's about where we are with Clemson. That's yeah. I don't. I don't think uh, Boston College's defense is good enough to win that game. But you know, probably. that's uh, you don't want to play at Boston College if you're no. Of course right? not. Of course not. Um, the running back pairing, I, I think, is an interesting uh, dynamic that comes out of this because Jafar Armstrong, he literally hit the ground running, man. I mean, from the first time he touched the football, he slammed the line of scrimmage, and they Chip Long uses him in a variety of ways. Uh, that is a, and this is something we talked about. That man, they need you know to go to the next step of this offense. They need Jafar Armstrong back, and I think we saw several examples of that against Navy. Jafar Armstrong was a surprise to me in the same way that he was a surprise to Brian Kelly on Thursday. He was a good one, uh, pretty sure while you were already in San Diego, because uh, Kelly sort of gave oh, no, I know. me I know some crap said. about, like, I know Sam says I don't like to be surprised, but Jafar Armstrong has been a surprise, and I I thought he would be good for five kind of ineffectual carries, yeah. and that would be about it. Like, he would be anonymous in the game, uh, and... I mean, are you using him two on... great catches along the sideline, or just yes. one? No, he had yeah, two. Well, the two? one, the one where he was going full speed and had to kind of slow his feet yeah. down before, and then the, the the last one, which was a brilliant play by Book. But if you watch that play by by Armstrong, it's a it's a shallow cross one way. He stops and goes the other way. So book said and you can't he tried see so hard, is what right? He, yeah. You can't you can't see Armstrong in a picture, but you know that Book reacts to to Armstrong and then I, and then they showed a different angle and Armstrong had his hand up but that was a that was a tremendous play and I tell you another tremendous play that 38 yarder by Kevin Austin I mean you talk about receivers you know coaches will talk about receivers that can catch the ball at full speed mm-hmm. he caught that ball at full speed and then 
That was Stefferson's greatest trait for yeah, Brian Kelly. Exactly. Full speed recept- receiver. That's right, yeah. exactly. Kevin Austin showed it on that play as well. Yeah, Armstrong was good. And I think the, the running back situation is, is sort of where Notre Dame always wanted it to be, but wasn't confident it was actually going to go. Yeah. Um, so this is, I mean, this is one of the things that, the, the big themes for me were, one, Drew Tranquil's ankle was season-ending for Notre Dame and Drew Tranquil, potentially, and it's not. And the other part was that there are still aspects of Notre Dame that can improve in November, which I don't think we've really said a whole lot in the past. Like Notre Dame was a Notre Dame was a finished product, or at least had hit its ceiling hitting November. Whereas with this group, whether it be offensive line or Jafar Armstrong and Dexter Williams or some of the younger players on defense, like there's still some upward mobility with Notre Dame heading into November in a way that I feel like is is distinct from previous seasons. I think it's most important at running back because they now have weapons hitting their stride in Williams and Armstrong. I mean, and Jones is a fine third guy. Last year you had, at this point, Josh Adams crippled and Dexter Williams pulling a hamstring against Wake Forest when he's running and Tony Jones being the guy that kind of got you through that game at the yeah. end. That's not what you want to head into November with. Now they have, I mean, those two, Willie, Armstrong and Williams, you can make arguments they're their best skill position players. Like, if healthy, going the whole way through, there's Boykin, there's those guys. It's, and they are... Boy, Boykin, Boykin, at some point during 60 minutes, Boykin he'll get, he'll get shows you. up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'll get you. He'll, he'll show up. I, we, Tim and I were talking about this before we went on the air. Uh, I, it's a shame that we didn't see the Bars-Banks pairing at guard at, at some point this year. You wonder because, if they would have got to a Bars-Banks pairing. They might have guard. with... Uh, Maybe not. Well, yeah, that's this, a good point. So it would have to be Banks beating out Ruland because they. I mean, it looks they've been moving on from Kramer for a little bit now, or, or hinting towards it. Um, clearly, they did this week. So it would have to be to the would be a Banks Ruland thing. But they would eat up Barry Kramer yeah, that much. Yeah. Again, we we have questions. Yeah. The second half, we'll go deeper into that. But I but I think I mean, when you talk about areas where they can 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 improve, coming out of the Navy game, and you don't want to put too much weight on a game against Navy with your offensive line. I totally get that. Yeah, yeah. But Navy has some veteran guys there and some guys that are not, you know, they're not awful. Now, they're giving up more than five yards of carry, so that tells you a little something. But, um, you know, I think that area can improve, and it's going to need to improve certainly by Florida State because they're, well, they're giving week. up. Well, yeah, I mean, this, this week too. But, I mean, when you're talking about a, a D front that's holding yeah. opponents at 2.7 yeah. yards per carry, whereas, like, Northwestern's in the middle fours. Right, right. Um, they're going to have to be better. Yeah, Florida State has one thing along. going for them. But, but Pete made a great the, the, the defensive line. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. Pete made a great point that the, the, the flip side of that is that their offensive line is going to have to go against Notre Dame's yeah, defensive yeah. front. Yeah, that's why they have one thing going yeah. for them. The next, the next two weeks, Notre Dame faces two of the three worst rushing offenses in the country. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy Larkin lost by uh, Northwestern to a career-ending injury, and they have not they have not been. I think they ran it a little bit against Wisconsin, but I think that tells you more about Wisconsin than it does Northwestern. Northwestern's uh, rush offense is so bad they disproved my quarterback sneak theory. Did you see? Yeah. Three straight no. tries, three straight chances from the one didn't get into the goal line. They literally did it. The three straight quarterback. I said it's impossible not to. The corollary, or the addendum here, is you cannot stand up straight when you're trying to score as a quarterback. <laughs> so Brady, even, Brady Quinn was doing the game. He's like, you know, the quarterback sneak off it works, but sometimes you got to choose a gap and not go straight sometimes, ahead. And, and you have to bend your knees. <laughs> yes, exactly. But I couldn't believe it. <laughs> we didn't get in on three straight Clayton sneaks. Thor- just, uh, before we Thursday, of course, we'll talk more about Northwestern. But Clayton Thorson did throw three interceptions on on Saturday against Wisconsin. So. 
it's it's just going to be a re- it's going to Ryan Fields going to be interesting. Never having been there before, the it's situation's a, awful. The t- opponent is very beatable, but the situation's just ridiculously bad. He, a decent team on the road at night, fairly cold after after West Coast, after West after Coast Navy. trip against Navy. They played well against Navy after Navy one time, one time in the last ten years, <laughs> and it was Army. Well, there will be Which a story on that. Time. Yeah, so they're three and five after Navy, and the wins were the Purdue game. The, yeah, you don't know what I'm talking about here, Dublin. Oh, right, yeah. Um, though seven-point comeback win over Wake Forest, the biggest comeback in the Brian Kelly era, by the way, in the road. And uh, Army, which they killed, but mm-hmm. it's a little different as the Army one, right? Speaking of Ireland, they have built in a week off after the 2020 game, which is which <laughs> yeah. is really... That might have had a little if bit If you're going to do game. that, you better, you better schedule a week it's off. It's really great for us. <laughs> That's the concern for people out there too. Right. What, are, what yeah. our travel schedules? Very I concerned. wonder. I, I would like to. I mean, the, the Navy hangover theory is an interesting one. I, oh, I, they 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 are really bad. If you're going to look at it right now, no, I'm just to say, like, how often of those are have been in November? Uh, there's October. They had a bye week once um, in October. The, when they beat the good team in 15, they had a bye mm-hmm. and they played USC. Um, they well, it's usually late. I mean, Navy's normally in. October, yeah, I'm just November, saying, yeah. like, if you had, does Notre Dame have a November problem or a Navy problem? They're both. How about a both problem? I mean, they have both happening yeah. right now. Yeah, but uh, it's still I, November and after Navy, though. Yeah, I just wonder how much of that is Navy and how much of that is the fact that they haven't um, done a better job preparing for November and they just happen to play Navy in November. I or think late yeah. October. It's um, it's almost always late October and November. Yeah. Uh, the, the problem is they're not. It's not like they're playing great teams. They're playing Pittsburgh on the road. Wake Forest on the road, mm-hmm. Purdue at home. These are not teams you should be losing to afterwards, and that's my whole point is this is at Northwestern, not a great situation in November. No, nope. They're not a great team, Northwestern. They've, been, right. they've won but four not a row. Great situation. This is not a good situation. It'd be, if you had Florida State this week, but they'd we, beat them by 60. But we, but we knew that. We knew that all summer. Yeah, that's why we, point, we pointed to this thing. Right. And I right. thought Florida State would be a problem because I didn't know they were going to be crippled. Yeah. All right, we'll mental. be back. Segment two with questions from our readers. Catanzarit Financial Services is a safe harbor providing guidance to clients on anything that affects them financially, including retirement planning, asset management, and estate planning. Catanzarit Financial Services also leads retirement planning classes in South Bend and Elkhart, Indiana. Log on to CatanzaritFinancialServices.com. Segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider, burning up the boards. We start with a question from 317 Mike. I was surprised to see Drew White come in to replace Drew Tranquil when he went down. Do you think this is more due to us playing the option? If Tranquil is out against Northwestern, who do you think gets to start in place of him? I mean, I think it's a good question. The The option part of it, I think you guys both wrote pretty stridently that it was it was option-related. Um, and I guess I, I must miss Brian Kelly's quote He on said that. he carved his niche against yeah, the option. Right. So I guess that's the, that's yeah. the quote. Um, so does that mean that he would play against Northwestern if, if Tranquil is limited or out? I, I don't really have the answer to that, but, I mean, full credit to Drew White for the first defensive snaps of his entire football career. And a guy that, I mean, I think we were all in the same boat. He comes in, you're like, all right, who's 40? Yeah, no, we had to look at. Now, the, I knew, yeah, now, I knew, I knew, who, I knew who forty was, but I was, I was but it was like, did you want to double check? But, no, no, because I, I thought, is somebody else wearing forty? Well, that was what I thought. Might be worse. Yeah, okay. well, someone wearing Drew White's number at linebacker when he's a <laughs> yeah. linebacker. This yeah. Is, yeah, so we were surprised he came in to to uh, validate the question. Yeah, it was not. 
a guy I would have thought came in immediately. I thought I did think immediately to myself, he must be good against the option. Brian Kelly must have seen him against the option. Now, maybe he could have played him. We didn't get a chance to talk to him, of course. But like Coney, I had no idea until Coney offered it during the week that Coney basically played seven or eight high school games against the option because so, no one does anymore. He's right. in a powerhouse team. Drew Tranquil team. said he never, never Drew played Drew Tranquil said he never had. Yeah. Most guys say they never have. Um, maybe Drew White had, and obviously Kelly would know that. So going forward, the important thing, who is in for Tranquil, assuming Drew, assuming no matter what, that Drew Tranquil doesn't play 70 plays this week? Yeah, I mean, I think that's sort of the one thing that you can feel confident about with Drew Tranquil is that he's not going to go wire to wire against Northwestern yeah. um, if he goes at all, which, you know, Brian Kelly was very optimistic about. After the game, um, I wrote about Drew Tranquil and his recovery process, putting 10 to 12 hours into treatments and like a lot, of, a lot of things that I had never even heard existed in terms of the treatment things that he does. Um, and yeah, just to, like 10 to 12 hours, probably about five times as much as the average Northern football player puts into recovery. And that goes beyond meetings, practice, film, class interviews, which he does a lot of. As we've, um, as we've said, it's good that he is a college graduate and yeah. no longer hitting pre-calc in the morning, right? I mean, I think look, there's there's something to be said for the fact that Jerry Tillery, Tavon Coney, and Drew Tranquil have all graduated from Notre Dame, and they, academically they have as light a load as they've ever had in their final seasons, and they're playing great, great You're football. They're playing great football. I, uh, having done the tail of the tape, I thought Drew White did a tremendous job. I mean, I got, I got what I, one of the first things you always look for when a, with a young guy is – is he playing tentatively? You know, like Jonathan Doerr's first kick, <laughs> uh, <laughs> at, at, for, <laughs> his first <laughs> extra point. And I thought he kind of tippy toed to the ball, and you know, just kind of feeling for it. I, I didn't think Drew White played that way at all. He had six tackles, one was unassisted. He was aggressive. He was attacking. He did he miss run fits? Absolutely. But even veteran players miss run fits. I mean, it, some of the Navy's bigger plays in the second half. I think we're tied into some of the run fits that he missed, but he certainly wasn't the only one. I thought he did a great job. And, you know, I, I think you hesitate to say, oh, well, he won't play against Northwestern, you know, because it's not option. Well, I don't know. Maybe he played well enough that Brian Kelly would look at that. I would think that Jonathan Jones would be uh, a strong candidate with Coney moving over back to yeah, the buck Coney, position. Yeah, Coney could move back to buck and you could uh, have your Bo, best middle backer. Bo, uh, you know, Bo Bauer, uh, uh, although we don't know exactly – if he's injured or not. Yeah, what yeah. did you... What? Yeah, I got it, two notes actually saying that people at the game saw Bo Bauer kind of go down on the sidelines after a second half or third quarter um, kickoff play. So if that happened, then obviously going down on the sideline, not making it to the bench basically is how he went down. So if that, if that happened, we have to ask Brian Kelly about it. Yeah. But that's a uh, that would limit him clearly. And I, and I do want to remind people that we did not have... We normally have a Brian Kelly teleconference on Sunday, but the team stayed until Sunday and flew back. Uh, we were all flying back. So that's when we get a lot of the, the final questions of the previous game answered. Uh, so those will spill over to Tuesday. So we'll know more about uh, Bo Bauer. We'll know more about Troy Pride as well. And, and um, go ahead, Tim. Quickly, who do you think gets the start if it's not Tranquil? Uh, who are the two inside backers is the way to guess I, it? I would go Coney, Jim Markeith. That would be my guess. The most based simple. on absolutely no inside information at all. But based on like the two deep is what you're yeah, using. Yeah, I'll just yeah. go with the two deep. I would think either that or or, or John Jones. To right. John Jones just having played before, another guy who, who I think when he's come in has played very aggressively, which is always, which is always a good sign. Uh, at Greg twenty one twenty six, Troy Pride's ascension into the lineup late last year was the result of his excellent play against Navy. Any chance he was tentative because he was still carrying that ankle injury? You'd have to ask him. That's what Brian yeah. Kelly said. <laughs> so I'll, I'll leave it at that. I mean, it's. 
There, there's subtext to Which answers. Means, yes. There's subtext to answers, and the subtext to that answer was, I am not real pleased about Troy Pride's toughness in this game. That's how I read it. I've been through 200 Brian Kelly teleconferences or press conferences. I feel fairly confident that I'm reading that correctly. Yeah, I agree with you. I look, playing hurt is a skill that has to be acquired. Drew Tranquil said to you, Tim Priester, I don't think I could have done what I'm doing now. He meant the wrist or the hand as a freshman because it's not easy to play. Yeah, he absolutely piece. said yeah. it's. Yeah, I said, is it painful? He said, well, yeah, it's painful, but I, you know, I, I can, I can deal with that now. But I'm not sure I could have done that when I was a freshman. It's a process getting to that, and I and and I'm not sure. Not everybody, not every football player gets to that process. No, and Troy, maybe this is Troy Pride's first ankle sprain that really bothered him, and he was playing a team that dives at your legs the whole time. Yeah, and and you know, I mean, maybe he tweaked it in pregame because he looked a little bit gimpy. I, you know, I don't know. I don't want to be judgmental about a player. You know, and say he's not tough for crying out loud. I mean, you know, but no, but we are, we are, it, we are we're simply, reacting to what Brian Kelly. We are reacting to what Brian Kelly. Right. Said. Yeah, if Brian Kelly said like, yeah, he was just a little bit off, like he was having a hard time getting his run fits, then I wouldn't have thought anything of it. The right. same way with Tariq Bracy not making the trip, and that was uh, titled a co- coach. No, it's titled coach's decision, which means a problem, a disciplinary problem. Generally speaking, or as Pete said at point, one point, that's sending a message to a disciplinary case when you don't bring him on the trip to San Diego that they have been. And you, he is your backup corner. Right, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, we're talking in the previous this game, we're talking about a guy that moved ahead of Dante Vaughn. Yeah, a guy from California as well. Ooh, like, that's, that's another point. That's kind of a stinger. Albeit uh, northern. I bet he'll be back for the uh, passing <laughs> attack of Northwestern. Northern, northern However, California yeah. and Southern California are far away, as Ian Book confirmed in press available. Oh, but how week. far? Uh, About nine hours. Uh, nine hours? Said, okay. Yeah. okay. Those globes. <laughs> Thank God for Google Maps. <laughs> All right, we have a kind of a pairing offensive line question here. At Tool 1934, the offensive line is a work in progress. We agree with that statement. But takeaway... Some of the scramble runs and the runs that Dexter Williams turned into gains and this offensive line needs to improve dramatically if they are true contenders for the playoffs. Yeah, it was the first time this group was ever together. I thought that the offensive line played better than that. I Three guys in particular, I thought Aaron Banks, again, a first-time starter. I thought he was aggressive and physical, which was his M.O., according to Brian Kelly, and I thought he pray, played, for being a first start, it was a flat-out great game. Uh, I thought it was an impressive game, whether it was whichever start it was. Now, he's not going against a great defensive line, but, you know, Navy's got, I mean, those are some veteran players there, and I thought he was really effective. I thought the second, I think, I thought the second most uh, active and impressive offensive line was Liam, Liam Eikenberg, followed by Trevor Rulin. I'm not really sure what's happening with Sam Mustafer. I don't see a lot of drive out of him. He doesn't look like he's using his lower body to its full advantage. And Robert Hainsey, who I think has been solid, and hasn't stood out to me, but a lot of times an offensive lineman not standing out is good. Yeah. Although Aaron Banks, Aaron Banks' you're physicality Banks against as much as you possibly I, could. No, though, right? I, you're right. Yeah. I was watching him more, and uh, you know, unless you watch each each play five times, it's a little difficult to <laughs> who do would, that. Who would do that? Um, <laughs> I think it's worth remembering. This is the fourth different starting offensive line that Notre Dame's had this year. The big mantra with the offensive lineman anytime you talk to Sam Lucifer is, quote, see it through one set of eyes. If you're changing out the eyes, you're not going to see it the same way immediately. So I would expect this this line to play better in in its week two than its week one. And I would expect it to be better in its week three than its week two. The competition will obviously go up since they play the 85 Bears next week. But I just think that the line will get better 
whether they're running for 275 yards or or just 100, like the line play will be better. The three I wrote about this last week because they're starting their seventh. But this is it's much more than starting a seventh different guy. They're they're moving guys around all year. 2012, 2015, five offensive line starters. 2017, six. However, it was planned to alternate. So really, that's one set of eyes too. Is what yeah. they had going in 2017. True. It maybe is. It's not the only reason those are his best teams, but those were his best teams. When you go back to the seven guys, eight guys that started a game or two in 2016, I know that's an outlier with eight losses, but you got seven guys in there in 2014. I'm talking about bad years compared to good years. They are doing a great job for, as Pete pointed out, having to adjust to having new sets of eyes all the time. I mean, it's they're and they're not only on their fourth line it's the fact that they're pretty young like this is a young line compared to usual lines where you have two true yes. sophomores a junior who's never played Mustafer's been around forever Ruland has never really played that's they're replacing they four Alex, new starters they're replacing Alex Bars not Tommy Kramer with all these guys yeah it's like that's if, another part. if we were I mean, spent if the story in the summer was Notre Dame has four new starters on the offensive line I think we would be like yikes that's not going to be a very good yeah. offense but lo and behold I you know it's like you look at their rush productivity I don't want to veer off into Chip Long here, but like, I think he's been here for 21 games. They've rushed for 240 yards 11 times. In Brian Kelly's 90 previous games, they rushed for 240 yards 12 that's a, times. That's a, that's a great. Did you write so a story as, around so that, that or did you right? just tweet I that tweeted out? I tweeted it and then put it in a story today. Okay. It's just like, there's. Chip Long has figured out how to get good rushing performances out of whatever the offensive line is. I wanted to reply to your tweet, but I thought. Zero people would get it, so one less. So Chip Long has to be better, right? Yeah, yeah. Eleven to twelve. Right. And I do want to say that I mean, I, do, I thought I thought the often you know we mentioned the guys that I thought played pretty well. I mean, uh, Dexter Williams had runs of thirty three, twelve, nine, eight, seventeen, eleven, and twelve, and and Armstrong had two eighteen yard runs. When you don't have room, you don't have you don't you don't snap off runs like that. I know Dexter Williams is good, but we've seen him struggle against Pittsburgh when he didn't have room, and I thought. You know, I mean, I thought especially, especially the tandem of Eichenberg and Banks created some massive holes to run through. I think people can overreact to short runs, stuffs we call them, because there's just more stuffs now. The way the way it's not blow everybody off the line and go forward and get those three yards to set yourself or four yards to set yourself up for second and six. That use the old fun term, the mesh point. It, yes. it takes it's a delay for a reason. It's letting things develop. So look when you make the wrong read or when a defense makes a play or there's one bust of five guys on the offensive front, there'll be stuffs. All the good teams suffer stuffs. Even, the, yes. the key Even is long good runs. running teams and with good offensive lines suffer stuffs. It it, it just happens. They've been but, good on third and short this year. had a lot of them last year, right? They oh. suffered a ton of stuffs yeah. and they had a great offensive line. Now tying in the question, and I think this is kind of a quick one for us, is SR fifty four fifty two also concerned about O line play. How do you think they match up over the next four games? So kind of look at those. Four I, teams. I think that I think the toughest matchup is Florida State. I think the second toughest matchup is Northwestern, followed by you know, USC's really... I, would just I mean, USC would be third, and I yes. guess Syracuse would be fourth. Yeah, in, but in USC the O-line, not... D-line matchup, which is kind of interesting because right. we'll right. have a question at the end about do you like, agree the with that order? Game. I do agree with that order, yes. and, and part of it, reason, well, and I think, Pete, your point is that Syracuse does have the worst defensive line, but I also think the USC could lose the rest of its games, and 11-0 Notre Dame, their defense will play as hard as they possibly can until the game is decided in the, you know... That, that team is showing up defensively what? to try in that game. What was this 85 Bears reference? What no, are you talking about? Just that Northwestern. It's oh, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I said. Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah. Right. 
Right. <laughs> Who do you compare to Richard Dent on that line on yeah. Northwestern? There was. <laughs> oh man, I'm glad it, I'm, I'm glad Northwestern's week is finally here, yeah. so we can move past it. <laughs> Ten to nine score is <laughs> going to. Yeah. But there is a li- I, we're seeing a little bit of vali- validity yeah. to the to the statement way back when. <laughs> uh, At Black Crow ten twenty seven, should we be concerned about the extremely poor tackling in the run game Saturday? He must be in the second half. Irish players seem to be pushing and shoving Navy guys rather than wrapping them up. Am I wrong in that assessment? And I think yes. that, yeah. yeah, I think the pushing and shoving was that was Troy Pride. I mean, he did he did that a couple times. Uh, hey, look in the first half, they were outstanding. I mean, I mean tackling was Awoki Gilman was was outstanding. Neither pushing were, nor shoving. No, he was not doing that. They were tackling great. And in the second half, you know, Navy made some adjustments. Uh, they they were they were block actually blocking the safeties. And so once they got past that initial wave, they had some room to run. Not to excuse it, but Notre yeah. was up 27 to nothing, and I think a few of the players let down a little bit. I mean, when Jerry Tillery busted through the line and threw whoever that was for a three-yard loss, like, that was not pushing or shoving. I mean, that's... My God, is he good. He yes. has become so good. The 27 nothing was the biggest aspect of this game, but we can't state it enough. Because it's not like it was 27 nothing and they won 50-45. to They doubled him up. They won by 22 yeah. points when they had a 27 nothing lead. That's... The game was over at 27 nothing. I know people yeah. on social media couldn't quite really get with that vibe because, you know, as I'm sort of pointing out, like, okay, when are the backups going to come in? When are they not? Like, there was no point in that game where Navy was going to win. They, no. They cannot was... come back from a 27 point deficit. There was a kill shot by Ian Book to Jordan Jenmar Keith to make it so. To... Ken Niamatolo talked about it. It was a two-score game, 15-point game, I guess. Third and 10, Notre Dame in their own territory. They books running all over the place. He finds Jen Markeith. Notre Dame converts, goes down and scores. That ends it all. But you're, Navy For probably, some reason, you're saying Jen Markeith instead of Jafar oh, Armstrong. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Jafar right. Armstrong, yeah. Um, I, have my, I have the next question. Oh, uh, yeah. So that pass to Jafar Armstrong kind of ended. Yeah, he said it was a backbreaker. Yeah, it was the backbreaking part of the game. But I don't think Navy was going to win had they not hit that. I think the score just would have been a frustratingly annoying 51-29 to 29 or something like that that would have really made that yeah, I, I yeah. Look, I, I had, I think this is why I asked Brian Kelly the question this way about, like, what's a one-off from Navy? What's, like, something that is good or bad that you can build on? Like, defensively, I feel like it was a very one-off-y type of game. Like, there's nothing, nothing Notre Dame's defense did or didn't do gives me – any sort of a different vibe about what Nordheim's defense will be in November? I thought it was a great question. I totally agree. I, I don't come out of that game. It's like I, somebody, I know, never look at the message board during the game. I've, t- I've been told that 1,800 times. Uh, you know, it's like this isn't a playoff team. There was nothing that happened on Saturday in San Diego against Navy that would tell me it's not a playoff team. They are. They're, they are a candidate to be a playoff team, and nothing that happened in the Navy game changed my mind about it. In fact, I'm reinforced by it. They're they one t- step closer. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. No, I'm I'm reinforced by it because they they did exactly what they needed to do against Navy by taking a twenty-seven nothing lead. And that was even with a fumble and a yeah, you know, a miscue the, the and special start teams for and, Navy. Yeah. So I, I will say this: when you say I was kind of joking when I said they're one step further. Unlike when they had one loss in 2017 and 2015, they are one step further. It is literally win the games. And you're a playoff team. Now, people might be saying this isn't a playoff team that can beat Alabama or Clemson, but I don't think you needed a second half against Navy to say Alabama and Clemson look better than Notre Dame with the eye test, right? 
No, you so do not. They're, they're a playoff team. I mean, if they keep winning, they are a quality number three, four, five. They can beat all the teams without a million breaks. They can beat all the teams from three down to ten that are qualified you know, for the playoffs. And, I get, and I, I'm not – this is not to the, the question or anybody in particular, but, I mean, I get the whole – I covered Lou Holtz. I, believe me, I know what it's like to to think that something's wrong all the time. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I, I I I totally get that, and I I coach the same way too. I, it's just you know you're you're always looking for how are they going to achieve perfection? Well, they're not going to, and they're yeah. they're you know if you play Alabama or Clemson, you're probably not going you're probably not going to win because those are. Right, those They're are probably not going to yeah. be Clemson. You could, you, you you could. It'll be a miracle but, if someone beats Alabama in the playoff, but not named yeah. Clemson. But you know, like offensive line. I mean, some of these things are a work in progress. And I always go back to the way we perceive this team in the preseason. Some things you can't change because they are what they are. They're the reality heading into that season, and they stay the reality in that season. Again, I'm not directing this at Black Crow or or anybody in general, but. You just do the best you can to keep solving problems, and right now they've solved eight straight problems. Yeah, ter- <laughs> Terry Benedict, what are your thoughts on having the starters in midway through the fourth quarter? I didn't think anything of it At the during time, the game. No, I, I really didn't. It was a two-score game. Not that, again, not that we thought they were being threatened to, to, to lose the game, but I didn't think anything of it. And You have to preserve not having the game score look bad at the end, though. If you put in your backups, it's gonna your backup defense is going to get shredded by Navy's offense. No I, I, no I, doubt. They've got no work against. Yeah. I mean, also, if, how would you sum up this game? That it was 44-24 or that Notre Dame was up 27 nothing at halftime? I thought the 27 nothing was much the more The outcome of the, of the game was decided in the first half. Yeah. yeah that, I mean, down. that's that. And, and so... You had some other things that, that came with it that you would prefer didn't, but you're not going to shut Navy out. Uh, Navy's going to make adjustments because Ivan Jasper's been doing it a lot longer than Clark Lee or, you know, and their players have been doing it a lot longer than Notre Dame's defensive players have. So I don't I, I don't think there's any carryover there, and I didn't. I, I mean, we're kind of stepping on the, the previous question, but I didn't think there was anything wrong with the starters being in. It, it never even occurred to me during the game. I don't think it did with you guys. It's uh, it surprised me that when it was twenty-seven nothing, it surprised me that the the backups didn't get a lot of work in the fourth quarter. But that's that, because Navy scored their first two possessions. Yeah, and but that's like such a low item on the list of like <laughs> how I digested the game and like took meaning out of it or what it means for the rest of the season. It was just like, that was more of a one-off thing to me. It was like, Oh, I thought Phil, Phil Jacobic would have thrown a couple. And, and that's why we all. Yeah. We, yeah. yeah. Well, okay. I get point. Yeah. Pre-game. Pre-game. And, and he didn't. Yeah. Who cares? Yeah. And not that big of a deal. And that's why we all rewatch the game, the, the TV version of it, because our perspective at the game is different than the TV version and vice versa. There's good, to, good and bad to both. I feel like the tenor of the game is better while I'm there, and then we miss information. People get at home, though. People be yeah. like, hey, what's wrong with right. know, somebody in, inju- <laughs> Injuries. We don't have – somebody is not in our air telling us yeah. that, that this injury happened, whereas many times – although I don't know that that crew – I don't know that that CBS crew was getting fed a whole lot of information, but certainly NBC is for home games. So, you know, sometimes we we don't hear some of the things that are heard at uh, TV and vice versa. This is why I had Jordan Jenner Keith on my brain. Stu Joe 11, ND's reserve linebackers have played solid football in the few occasions they've gotten on the field. How do you feel about the future of this position group? 
I don't. I, I mean, I don't know that I feel that way. A, they haven't played much. Pete, I know you have some stats there that that determine that. He did say few occasions that they've gotten. Yeah, fields, so I mean, it's. I'm surprised I, I, how few the occasions have been. Yeah. Um, I think I haven't done the snaps for this, but John Jones didn't play on defense against Navy. I don't think. Um, so but that, uh, but when but when were what were the few occasions where they were impressive? I mean, I didn't. Th- I thought Bo Bauer played. I thought, and he's a freshman. But I thought Bo Bauer played very poorly against Wake Forest. He had 19 snaps against Wake Forest. Those are all 19 of his snaps on defense yeah. this year. Uh, Jen Markeith and John Jones, I thought, were were better at Wake Forest. Yes. Um, you know, those those guys have flashed a little something. And you were you liked what John Jones was showing last year. Yeah, I mean, Where's because like I just thought that he came in, in. Yeah, he just came in aggressively. And he thumped some people. It was know, Wake Forest last year. It was, it was. It was <laughs> Wake Forest. How do I remember that one? So at USC, I mean, he had some yeah. some big plays. Right. It may have been a little bit more special teams related there, but I think that Jen Markeith leads all reserve linebackers with 33 snaps played of defense this year, which is surprising to me in how low that number is. Like yeah. I thought at this point in the season there would be somebody getting close to about 100 snaps, and they, they won't have a reserve linebacker take 100 snaps for the entire year. I feel like Jen Markeith's having to put on weight and learn a new position all the end of spring through the offseason, it's a two-year process for him. So we'd like to look at him, how he ends next spring and how he looks in the middle yeah. of the camp. Um, I like the guy as a player. Clearly, I've been talking about him all podcasts. So yeah, no, yeah, I think... I think he's a great wide receiver, too. No, <laughs> no I, I think we all like the prospects with him. It's a shame that they didn't... You know, I'm not criticizing. It's a shame they didn't pull the trigger before the start of spring and he could have had the whole spring. I, I caught up with Rick Meyer... Uh, who lives in San Diego and his son played with Jordan Jen Marquis in high school. In fact, they were, they were the two safeties. And he, you know, I mean, he, he has said that, you know, the transition's difficult and I agree. I think it's a two year process. Hopefully it's only that long because they're, they're he's yeah, going to have yeah. to, he's going to, they're well, going to need him next year. That's why this is a valid question. It's very low on my list of concerns for an eight and football team, how John Jones might be next year. <laughs> Yes. But I thought John Jones would play a little more this year, so I don't think yeah, I, I don't too. think it's a great sign necessarily. No, that they couldn't I, yeah. trust him. You know, and, and he he they went with Drew White instead of him. Um, you know, against triple option football, they and, go fourteen zero this year. I don't care if John Jones or any and other Bo, and Bo, linebacker and, plays next year. And like, Bo Bauer had moved ahead of him too. You know, in the preseason, so that that's not a good sign. Play so, anybody you want. If you finish we'll with see. Wins yeah. All the way through. Okay. That's All right. Fine. Last question from Wash ND. Does it feel like we are in a bizarre world when out of Northwestern, Florida State, Syracuse, and USC? That Northwestern and Syracuse are the toughest games left, and it may not be that close. A little bit. I mean, I, I if you went one, two, three, four, Florida State would be a clear four for me, with a pretty big gap to number three. I think I would probably put USC number three. Um, just, I think that they they may have some attitudinal problems similar to Florida State by the time we get to the end of the season. <laughs> Nothing similar to that right now. <laughs> similar in the fact that they are problems, yeah. uh, and then. I've been on sort of the Syracuse toughest game bandwagon for a few weeks, so I'll stay on it. Um, so I have Syracuse 1 and Northwestern 2. I have Northwestern 1, partly because when the line came out, I thought there wouldn't be many Notre Dame fans in the world that didn't like the eight-point spread. So I think it's a hard situation going at Northwestern. Well, they won, they won four in a row. They're decent. It's at night in the Midwest after flying home. They're capable. They obviously they had Michigan down, right? They could have beaten Michigan. What if they beat Michigan instead of lost by a field goal? I mean, you might change your mind a little bit on how capable they are. Yeah. They were right but there. They, they, beat, they did beat Michigan State and Wisconsin. Yeah, and that, they, they had a Wisconsin's three point loss down, to Michigan. They're playing pretty well. Fitzgerald will have them ready. So they're my one. 
I think my two now, I, I think Syracuse is much better than USC, actually. I just think Notre Dame can score on them. Ah, you know what? Syracuse could be my number two because USC is all predicated on Notre Dame being 11-0 and having to go into USC and, and finish their season off, which is, I know it was a long time ago, but it has now killed six Notre Dame undefeated teams, right? Five, six? Yeah. You know, a lot better USC yeah, teams back a, then. Yeah. But. Of that. Northwestern, since Jeremy Larkin, his football career is over, they have not been able to rush the football. They had some success, success against Wisconsin, but Wisconsin's not Wisconsin this year. Uh, so... Clayton Thorson's going to throw 50-plus times against Notre Dame's pass rush. Yeah, yeah that, that's that, a big... That's not good. But, but on, I, I mean, still, and, until this is this theory is totally disproven, Notre Dame on the road in November. I mean, in, in you know, Ryan Field, although I don't... I, it's my understanding Northwestern fans don't support the program, even in good times, the way one might expect. So I would expect a lot of Notre Dame, Chicago Notre Dame fans being there. Um you know, Syracuse is just the explosiveness of their offense. You got to score to win. You got to really get yeah. some points up to win. Yeah, and they're going to, you know, they're going to score some points no matter how good Notre Dame's defense They've is. They've proven capable to Pete's point. I mean, they did play Clemson toe to toe. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think I said I, Northwestern played Michigan toe to toe. Well, they played Clemson toe to toe. So I'd go Syracuse uh, one, yeah, Northwestern yeah. two, USC three, Florida State four, and I hesitate the whole Florida State thing because. 2.7 yards per rush if Notre Dame can't run the football. Uh, when they couldn't run it against Pittsburgh, it wasn't always easy yeah. throwing the football no. against them either. Yeah, so. it's not, it, Florida State's more of a mental state situation for me now. I have, always, I have obviously been on the, if Notre Dame loses, Northwestern Florida State, I've been saying that since August, they're going to lose one of the two. That's kind of, the point of that was I thought they wouldn't be able to run against one of those teams with Brandon Wimbush. Now I think against Florida State, if they can't run, they will just pass for 30 points. Against Florida State, and Florida State can't block Notre Dame if they have that's, seven that's, linemen. That's that's the big yeah. thing that Pete's been pointing out that their offensive line against Notre Dame's defensive line is so awful. bad. That's a terrible so matchup. It's a horrible matchup, and the Florida coaching State. matchup's really bad for Florida I, State. Too. I think ultimately the, the styles make fights point. Like mm-hmm. Notre Dame's pass rush against Northwestern. If you can't run the ball, it's not so much that that's an indictment of your rushing offense as much as your offensive line is pass protection. Right, and I think right. that's that's where Notre Dame has and a Thor- decisive edge and the Thorson, next two weeks. I mean, Thorson's still coming off ACL. He's not com- he's not anywhere right. close to where he'll be six months from now, you know, health-wise. And we'll get into this, but they got to get the ball out fast. Northwestern, that'll be their plan. But Syracuse gets the ball out fast. They're adept at it. That is their plan. So that's much better against a pass rush. Yeah, and in in the, the styles make fight points is an edge to Syracuse where it's a detriment to Northwestern, I think. All right, that's it for today. We'll be back on Thursday to talk more Notre Dame Northwestern. This has been the latest edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by Katanzari Financial Services. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.